to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account this unrepresentative swell over there. Greetings, great man. How are you today? I'm good, mate. The real question is, how are you? You seem like you're pretty intense right now. I'm very intense. Since I commenced my law studies on Monday, I've realized that everything kind of sucks. Weird that. Um, and your whole life is a chore and there's no real point, you know? Wow, that's really that's really bleak. Even for a millennial. No, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm happy to be here, Rob, uh, in physical form with you again. Oh, it's great. Not How wearing masks either. Yep, no oh, masks required. Not that we were wearing masks before, but oh, yeah. that would have been quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome to the Unrepresentative Sewer podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. La- last week was a bit weird, hey? Yeah, a little bit. Um, been through a few COVID lockdowns uh, and an ongoing lockdown. Well, yeah, I just met last week's really. Done a bit of done a bit of COVID, have you? <laughs> I've really struggled with the lockdowns in Western Australia. Oh, it's, it's been, been so really, tough. Yeah, on me. Um I just I you know I think everyone should understand that. Definitely. I wanna take this time right now to say congratulations to Michael Hood for starting his job, by the way. All right. There you go. Uh, um, well done, mate. Now you've set a precedent, Rob. We have to congratulate every single person who starts their job. Um, on the podcast, sure that we know, um, sure. So congratulations, Michael Hood. Plenty more to come, I think. Yeah, can't Working wait for real it. world. <laughs> um, um, you go. Whoa, How have you been, Rob? Good. Yeah, I've been pretty good, mate. You know, just doing, doing. Guess what I'm doing, Nick? Working. Yeah, working. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fun. Yeah, fun been, stuff, isn't it? I've been studying. It's you know the summer goes by so quick. Um, and like, you kind of want to go back to uni cause you like are bored, but then yeah. as soon as you go back to uni, you're like, no, it sucks. Speaking of the summer going by quickly, I finally got my timetable for uni this semester. Oh, congratulations. I start in May. You start in <laughs> May? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> I thought masters are supposed to be harder. No. <laughs> what? This is ridiculous. Too easy, mate. Wow, I guess, you know, maybe they already think you're so so much of a master that, you know, there's no real need to step on the gas. Yeah, Sit exactly. Back and relax. My concern is it's going to be March and all of my friends are either working or at uni and I'm just going to be still on holidays. Yeah, work at the restore. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> you can get you a sandwich? You want to hear about my thesis? <laughs> uh, oh, well, I've started full-time uni, so... That's going to be me until the winter break. Go Nick. Yes. It's going to be so fun. Sounds like I'm it. I'm hell looking forward to it. Do you want to hear some news, news headlines, Rob? Nick, I was actually about to ask, can you can you tell me some news, mate? And this weird banter we have at the start. Let's get into some news. Um, obviously, the WA COVID outbreak still has no ongoing community transmission besides that first case. No findings still on how that was caused. Weird. So, I don't know. I just think they might not. I think, I can't remember. I think it was uh, the South Australian lockdown. They, they like, did a big investigation into their hotel quarantine leak. And, like, at the end, they just couldn't find what actually happened. 
Strange. Real strange, hey? It, it might be like that for us. Who knows, Rob? But... Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The real question is, what was that bloke doing at KFC for four hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll never know as well. I yeah. mean, that should be the real investigation. <laughs> um, in the US, a lot of stuff's happened in the US. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Rob. She's a far-right Republican um, House member who got elected in last year's election. Um, who's gone on record saying she thinks Democrats like Nancy Pelosi should be executed? Nice. Um, that and they're, they're they're sitting in the same parliament, oh, same yeah. house. Yeah. 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 Cool. Good. Um, that nine eleven was an inside job. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. That's a bit strange coming from a Republican, right? Yeah. Surely it'd be some nutjob lefty saying Bush did it. She's a new age Republican, Rob. Fucking hell. I think it's related to the QA non conspiracy, which I think she also flirts with. Um, anyway, she's terrible. By the way, Nick, do you actually know what the QAnon conspiracy is? Yeah, yeah. What is it? <laughs> um, it's like, uh, I think it differs from con- country to country. In the US, it's all about, and I think it's other countries as well, it's all about how there's an underground network of political elites that are all involved in this um, child trafficking oh, network. The whole like... That's tied to Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, yeah, all the specific details, but it's essentially a kind of deep state conspiracy theory. All right, cool. Um, I'm down for that. In the US, yeah, the the pinnacle was that Trump was their saviour. We're going to be their saviour anyway, and he was going to declare martial law on the day of Joe Biden's inauguration. Cool. But... Democracy is fun. As you know, he didn't, so... Yeah, yeah, thank I think God. They're hey. reaching for new straws, the QAnon people in the US, anyway. There you go, though. Anyway, that Congresswoman um, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who believed in that, has been disbarred from all her committees in the House. Taste. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, all the House members voted, uh, and like all the Democrats plus I think like eighteen Republicans, um, cool. decided that that was appropriate. Given so her. she's just a lame duck. Member of Congress now. Hey. Yeah, she just she sits can't there, do I think. anything. Yeah. She can vote, right? She can say no she to every single vote. bill. Yeah, um, but otherwise, she's just sitting there. Probably means a pay, a lowering in her pay as well. That... Oh, yeah. I wonder if they get, you know, commission for doing. <laughs> I think in Australia, you get like additional increases to your salary for every committee you're on. Huh. As a lawmaker, there's so. definitely some some bloke who's just sitting on every single committee <laughs> and just earning heaps of cash. Twelve committees <laughs> and all the easy ones as well. Yeah, yeah like the environment committee because they don't do anything anyway. Oh, especially in Australia, man. No, no, no. Um, the also in the US, the impeachment trial against Trump is set to start in the Senate. Yeah. Um, what do you, what's your predictions, Nick? Well. I, we've already yeah. know there was an initial vote in the Senate. We already know that there's not enough numbers um, f- for Democrats to get the two thirds majority they need. Yep. So it is unlikely that that will succeed. You know, unlikely. Who knows? Maybe we see a last minute change by Republicans, but I, I think at this point that's unlikely. So I think it's very unlikely. Nick. Um, question is, you know, like I think the the whole um, you know impeachment process brings out a lot. And, you know, you know, we saw last time with the impeachment process regarding the Mueller report, I believe. Yeah. So we'll, we will learn a lot about what happened um, on that fateful day where a whole bunch of blokes decided to... And it was blokes, I'll say, because there was probably, what, 
maybe yeah four four, four, four women. women there because women you know most of the time have a better sense than to do stupid shit like that exactly <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i think you're right rob there's a lot of interesting evidence like they're they're even going back to the presidential debate and you know we covered that debate on this podcast where the um chair the the, the chair speaker asks him to um denounce the proud boys Ah, yeah. And he says, like, um, and he's like, I don't even know who they were. Antifa is so much better. And they're like, no, denounce the Proud Boys. And he's like, he says, stand back and stand by. Yeah, I saw, I remember that. And he, they, the next day, the Proud Boys made, like, T-shirts saying, like, standing back and standing by, you know, Trump 2020 and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, they're, they're like, using that as evidence. And they're, they're essentially trying to argue that um, it was a very long, drawn-out um plan by trump to set up this whole whole myth that the election was robbed in order to kind of rile up his supporters and it culminated on uh, january 6th yeah makes sense hey um you know i mean yeah very convincing argument but unfortunately due to the way it works it's not it's not a legal case really it's a political case so exactly and you know the strict the ever stricter party lines in the u.s causing problems aren't they yes yes especially in a system where there is literally only two parties yeah you know australia has strict party lines but at least there are the greens you know and one nation i suppose and of course remember this means that if if that vote isn't um passed against trump that he will have the opportunity to run again in 2024 yo get ready Um, trump Trump 2024 yeah buy your maga merch everyone god hopefully climate change will have killed us by then (laughs) Um, the the GameStop stock as well, Rob. We haven't even, we haven't even talked about that, and I'm I apologize to everyone that we missed that over the past few weeks. Yeah, this is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to give a, the brief the brief outline, Rob? Okay, so JP Morgan, I think, is the big big player here, right? In terms of the big industrial fund or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember. A lot of hedge funds did it. I so think a bunch of hedge funds have shorted uh the stock that which is GameStop. Game Shop, Game Stop, Game Stop. Yeah, they're like the EB it. Games for the US. So it, you know, it's a bit of a meme of a store for starters. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know the death of you know in-person sales, COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it was a pretty smart short to make, probably. Um, but all these people on Reddit have just said, no, let's just buy up and force the short to be a massive loss, yeah. which it was. Uh. For the most part, anyways, in the first few days. Yeah. Um, before they try to, you know, readjust the rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hedge fund managers lost... Um, the head, Those hedge funds lost billions and billions of dollars as a result of this, you know, group of Redditors. Yeah. Which is just hilarious. And also, I'll say a lot of Redditors, uh, the people who belong to this, this group, made a lot of money because GameStop went from, like, I think, like, $3 a share... To, like, 300 I believe. At its high, I think it was 450 yeah, it's insane. And it's, it's since come a long way down. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people there's this sense that they weren't really doing it for the money; they were just doing it to stick the middle finger to to Wall Street. Yeah, that's a that's a growing sentiment. And I think you know, after the housing crash and you know the growing inequalities in the US, I am so happy to see that happen. Yeah, this is like digital activism, right? It's um, so good. It's great. And the funniest thing is that it's just done on Reddit. Yeah. You know? Like some of the dross of society that go- goes on in Reddit. <laughs> Power to the people, man. Exactly. This you know, it. it's an interesting thing, Nick, and you're going to hate me for saying this. Okay. But the the catchphrase that they were running by is 
we can stay retarded longer than they can say stay solvent. Wow. And that's like, is, that's not even bad because it's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know, I didn't even know that. So these people have basically memed um you know rich billionaires out of money, which is just the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm so happy to see it. Support it, honestly. If it was a Australian listed stock, I'd buy it. Um, yeah, why not? Yeah. Good <laughs> Buy <honor>. EB Games. <laughs> yeah. EB Games is the next target. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we've talked for long enough. Last bit of news and we'll, we'll let this flow on into the first topic. The uh, ScoMo yesterday has not committed, but announced that he, they're considering uh, adopting a, a net zero emissions target by 2050. Yeah. So, Rob, how long did it take them? They're finally considered not adopted considered a climate change policy an energy policy this has been 12 13 years since 2008 yeah in the making since turnbull had a emissions trading scheme policy yeah yeah i think so so you know 13 years in the making and they're just getting around to it you know they're slowly getting around and but you know, hey they've been in power for the last what 10 years now, pretty much. Uh, Rob, let's not rush to anything, right? No. We don't need to commit now. Let's Absolutely just say not. we're considering it. We're just considering it. And to put some icing on the cake, today the Nationals have come out and said, you know, the coalition partner, of course, has said that agriculture and mining shouldn't be included, should should be um, granted uh, a, a kind of allowance to not follow those rules. Yeah, agriculture and mining is probably the two biggest polluters in polluting Australian industries, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I don't know that for sure, anyways. but definitely big polluters. Um, yeah. Agriculture no, is also a big polluter as well. Don't worry about them. We yeah, go. no, let's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's so tough for the farmers. You know, climate change, that's not going to be tough for the farmers because it doesn't exist. Yeah, fucking idiots. <laughs> These nationals, honestly, they say that they say they stick up for farmers, but Jesus, what they're doing to them. Yeah, the nationals belong in a museum, honestly. They're so archaic. They shouldn't exist by any means as, a, as the force in politics they are. They merely exist... Because the voting system of the lower house makes it easy for them to win seats. Yes. And also, they don't represent farmers' interests. No. No. God, no. At all. They just, they're just rich. Cunt- they're just the same as the liberals, except they wear cowboy hats. That's their yeah. only thing. They've adopted this weird, like, right, far right-wing uh, kind of hybrid with the liberal uh, approach. Which you know, is like very invested in the the counter although the cultural war, um, and it just it just has no place in our our polit- political system. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, it's infuriating how much power they hold, considering how you know little they actually get voted in each each time. I know. Yeah, I mean, people are amazed when you say the Greens and the Nationals get the same vote share, and Greens often actually beat them in national elections. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Greens have one seat in the House of Representatives. Yep. <laughs> about 20. So that is ridiculous. But all of this is forming the backdrop to what may be an election this year, Rob. Yeah. Or next year. But probably this year, maybe. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, we'll remember that in Australia, ScoMo gets uh, gets his own... Um, he just decides when the election happens. Yep. Um, he can call it whenever he wants. Um, but he has to call it three years after the last election. So he could call it this year when his popularity is high, potentially, or he might wait. And I think the prevailing theory here is uh, in the in the backdrop of COVID, you know, with JobKeeper still kind of a, in the memory, ScoMo might, might want to call an election because his popularity will almost certainly drop next year um, in order to ensure a majority for the Liberal Party for another three years. Yes. Three more <laughs> years. 
three more years. Oh mm. man, um, and of course as well. I mean, they'll start. We'll start to feel the the, the biting end of this recession as well. The, the longer this goes on, especially into next year, because remember, JobKeeper is still active. Exactly. Um, but you know, as Scomo said himself, we can't keep funding the economy off taxpayer money. No. So that'd be socialism. He wants to exactly, and we hate socialism. Because yeah. that's close to communism. Exactly. <laughs> the red scare, it's back. Um, so, I think he wants to... Uh, yeah, I think it would be strategic to call that election as soon as possible. Yeah. So, Nick, what what do you have any predictions? What do you think is going to be a big issue of this election? Assuming well, it happens this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think Labour will win. At this point, It's uh, things can change very quickly in elections. But I think it's unlikely Labour will win. Yeah. I'm not up to date with Labor's numbers, but I'm in the same boat. I think as long as JobKeeper is still in the memory, as long as people put the association between them getting $750 a week and Scott Morrison, I think the Liberals will win. Yeah, and you know the it's been very much a government focus over the past year and a bit um, in, in all kinds of ways through the bushfires and now COVID. There's been very little spotlight, and we've talked about this on the opposition. And that just hasn't really given them a chance, and you know they haven't really used any chance they've they've gotten well. So I just think people don't really know what what Albo's all about. Yeah, exactly. You know, Albanese I think is trying to run a more of a small target um, type compared to Shorten, who was much more you know expansionist and extravagant with his ideals. Yes, his big policy platforms that <laughs> were ill fated in the end. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Albo's trying to run a more of a traditional opposition leader campaign of just hounding the government but they never get to sit in parliament and also it's been very government focused as you said yes so who is albo you know me and you might know because we follow politics quite closely and we're also members of the labor party but yet average joe on the street i doubt even knows who he is yeah i mean I, i think that's exactly right and with the attention that has been drawn to climate as well by the Labor Party, you just wonder if that will actually pay off at all. Because judging by last election, you know, people like me maybe naively thought that climate change would be a big issue for the election, but it just wasn't um, yeah. really at all. Well, overwhelmingly, when you see polls, um, climate change and the economy are the two big issues of modern elections, really. Uh, so maybe it'll be better this time, but... Again, I have concerns, you know, media bias, who'd have thought it? Uh, and, you know, the the religion of coal will prevail here. Yeah. I mean, I think where it matters, climate change policy is also, or climate change as an issue is always superseded um, by the economy. Um, and also just, you know, general, yeah, media concentration and scare campaigns. A very famous sex offender once said, uh, it's the economy, stupid. <laughs> yeah, he is a sex offender as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that won't necessarily play into Labor's hand and they've put a lot of emphasis on climate policy. So they really have to gain ground in somewhere else. And, yeah, I think what they'll, what they'll definitely do and what they kind of already are doing is trying to advocate uh, a much more um, uh, elaborate uh public support scheme for things like infrastructure, spending on health, education, you know, what Labor what Labor does well. Yep. But so I think difficult. I think key key ways where, you know, wedge issues for the coalition will be the ending of JobKeeper, the climate crisis, and the fact that 
this is the first recession Australia's seen in 30 years. I think that is points that need to be hammered home by the Labor Party. And I think the last time I've heard, you know, that point really, really been raised by Albo was at his budget reply in July, I believe. So I think the Labor Party needs to pick up the game and fucking hammer the Liberal Party. Yeah, they got to get out there. Obviously, we've talked about the difficulties of getting out there in, a, in the COVID era. But yeah, yeah, we, we say this, there is a caveat that as the election draws closer, and also when we know the date, because remember, we don't know the date yet, um, it will, uh, the Labour Party will step up their marketing and such. Um, and we As will, will the Liberal Party, though, Nate. It's true. It's true. But I mean, I wonder, you know, saying what's Labour's strategy going to be, what, what will the Liberal strategy gonna, will be, Rob? Oh, it'll be the same thing as last time. Labor's taking your utes away. You know, this is socialism. Yeah. Exactly. That Basically that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I you know we've carried you through the crisis. Oh, yeah. You know, we want experience at a time like this to get yeah. us through the recession. Where we know, manage the economy better. Strong economic managers. The, yeah. The age-old liberal card. That, I mean, that will be it. Um, and, you know, I think that will actually do very well in the wake of a, a recession. But, you know... Last time there was a big recession when it was Ruddy or global recession when we had K Rod, people loved K Rod during the recession because he took us straight. He, he weathered the storm well. He also gave everyone a thousand dollars. He did, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was the benefit of being the incumbent there. Um, and now the libs and the incumbents, they I think will receive the dividends from that. Yeah, so, it'll be interesting to see. Do you think? Do you think there's a chance he won't call it this year, Nick? I think not. I think your know, time is not against the Liberals, even though that might they they might still win next year. I think yeah, you know, the, the the advantage is is as soon as possible, really. So yeah. I think we might be looking at election at an election later this year. So you know when that's called, come back to this podcast. Oh, and you better believe we're going to cover the election. <laughs> um, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I mean we'll just yeah you know, we'll be depressed because me and Rob can't hide that we're. Labor supporters and that the climate matters to us a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'll be more of the same than it was in 2019, but we'll still provide coverage. Exactly. And, you know, you know what, Nick, speaking of elections, there was a big election that went on, you know, late last year in a country called Myanmar. Ooh. Slash Burma, depending yeah. on, you know, what era you live in and yeah. whether you recognize the military dictatorship over Myanmar, et cetera, et cetera. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were the results of that election, Nick? And why are we talking about it? Well, my, Myanmar has been in the news recently um, because earlier, was it last year, Rob, or late, late last year? Late last year. I I'll, was I'll get the date up for you if you like. Yeah, Myanmar was a, a, a relatively um, new you know, democracy with a question mark because it, it had some un, very undemocratic elements. But it essentially had a long history with the military having a lot of power over civilian government. But last year developed uh, delivered a very strong victory for the pro-democratic uh, NLD party. Yeah. Um, led by the very famous figure in Myanmar and in the West, Aung San Suu Kyi. Yeah. Um, but recently, as I think a lot of people are aware in the West, there's been a military coup in Myanmar and her civilian government is over and she's been arrested. Yeah, cool. So um, I think it was in 2011, Myanmar tra- transitioned from military dictatorship to what is called a disciplined democracy, which is kind of like home brand democracy where the 
the you know military still has control. So the military has twenty five percent of seats in both houses of um, Myanmar's you know parliament, regardless, no matter what. Yeah, they just awarded those. There's no elections. They also set up a party called the USDP, which is this you know pseudo military party, which basically just allows them to win more seats and basically you know always have control until this election. Yeah. Uh, and they lost control this election. Um, the uh, ND- NLD, which is uh, Unsung Suu Kyi's party, won 258 seats out of the 315 available, or the 440 that are actually there, um, which is a majority. And they could actually just do you know, politics without worrying about the military. Yeah. So the military weren't too happy with that. On February 1st, they launched a, to- a coup d'etat, you know? Ah, yes. Of course. Coup d'etat. Exactly. Um, and yeah, that's Myanmar basically falling slowly away from becoming a democracy, which is good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an ongoing situation. There's violent protests that have erupted across Myanmar. There's a lot of support still for Aung San Suu Kyi because you have to realize she's a, a very, very popular figure in Myan- uh, Myanmar's uh, political space. She spent 20 years in under house arrest. I, I think it was 10, 10 years under house arrest before t- 2011, uh, held by the military and, you know, being a, a democracy activist essentially. And after that huge amount of time, she's still, she was still legally barred from being president. The military had done that, but she, came to be the head, symbolic head, and actual head of government in Myanmar after it transitioned. Um, but the influence of the military, as you said, never disappeared, and it was always a tense relationship. Yeah, definitely. And she's also spent much of the 90s in the West. You know, I think she's won a Nobel Peace Prize for yeah. democracy efforts and such. Yeah, she has. Um, but she is in the West a very controversial figure because she was initially heralded as this pro-democracy hero, Um who won a Nobel Peace Prize, but in the late 2000s, uh, the, no, the late 2010s, yeah, she became very controversial because of the ethnic cleansing of the Rohingya Muslims. Yeah, so this is another thing that happens in Myanmar. It's a really fucked country, actually. Yeah, um, yeah the legacy of colonialism. Population of 56 million, you know, right around that region where colonialism has done a bit. You know, it's south of Bangladesh, I believe. Uh, I need to get a map of Myanmar up here. Yeah, Rob, don't you have one prepared already? It's uh, you know, kind of southwest of Bangladesh. You know, north of Thailand, in that you know, kind of subcontinent region. You know, Southeast Asia kind of region. Yeah. Uh, influenced heavily by colonialism. Yeah, remember all these borders were drawn artificially by colonial powers. Just by some British dudes. Exactly. So there's a lot of um, native Myanmar people, Burmese people, you would say, but also a lot of, um, and they're they're all Buddhist, but there's a lot of um, Muslim populations, the Rohingya. Particularly in in the north, closer to Bangladesh and stuff, there's a lot of um, Muslim people. And the Buddhist people in Myanmar aren't big fans of those. Rohingya people, and they practice ethnic cleansing in the late 2000s. They're not big fans, including Aung San Suu Kyi herself. And, you know, everyone in the West expected her to call out this ethnic cleansing that was being done essentially by the military, um, but she never did. Um, and a lot, everyone basically took it as her tacit consent um, for that thing. Um, and it gained her 
a lot of popularity in Myanmar, mm. um, but a lot of uh, you know, dispopularity, I guess, in the West. So it's a very tense situation, and it seems like you know it's a kind of a battle between two evils. But I, I feel almost somewhat sympathetic towards Aung San Suu Kyi because I don't think she can win an election without that policy, and also I don't think she'd be allowed to not have that policy by the military. So it's kind of, you know, she's stuck between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, unfortunately, obviously, it's terrible. The what. She is, you know, she's not doing that herself, but obviously she's not calling it out for what it is. It's terrible what is happening there. There's a lot of violence and murder and horrible things that are happening with those um, ethnic peoples. Like there's a lot of ethnic violence in the Asia region. Um, But at this point, you know, she may have been running a fine line between the military before. Now she's, she essentially failed. Yeah, the military is... No longer interested, not even going to, you know, give her the credence, really. No. I mean, you know, say, yeah, maybe you would say now it wasn't worth it at all because she got exactly. axed anyway by the military. She's been arrested, by the way. Um, they came up with some uh, kind of false charge against her and she's been arrested. Classic uh, authoritarian play, that one. Yeah. I mean, Rob, do you think there's a chance for um, democracy to survive in Myanmar? Well, Myanmar is one of those countries that is, you know... Over the last 10 years, you know, looking back at it, because I, surprisingly enough, didn't follow my, my Burmese politics that much in 2011. It, it's so amazing to me that it's even gotten to this point and lasted 10 years as this disciplined democracy. Um, so I hope it continues to surprise me, but I, w- I don't know if I should comment about it right now because it's still well and truly ongoing. Yeah, um, you know, there's, I, I've heard people say that the lingering memory of democracy and the popularity of Aung San Suu Kyi um, will inspire generations to come to, to hope for democracy and, and actively try and um, you know, take down the military regime. Um, but you got to realise that these countries have such a... Uh, unstable history um a lot of different factors stemming from colonialism really that have led to all of these really complicated issues about um your ethnic violence wealth inequality all of that kind of stuff um which makes uh, uh, deciding on transitioning to democracy very difficult essentially yeah you know there's no history of democracy in this country you know for the longest time it's just been a military dictatorship uh, and the military still holds m- lots of power w- even within its democracy, in quotations there, obviously. So, yeah, it- it's an incredibly difficult place for democracy to exist, but it's managed to exist so far. Will it continue to exist is the, is the great question, Nick. Yeah, and of course COVID makes it very difficult for these um, protests to, to uh, you know, continue um in the full force that they maybe could have if the pandemic wasn't occurring you saw there was a famous video that went viral um in myanmar um where people went onto their balconies and and hit their bash their pots and pans um in kind of protest against the government but you know that's not there's been there's been a lot of other action but that hasn't led to any definitive action against the military yet yeah it's a it's a sad side of the fair really Unfortunately, yes, very lots, unfortunate. Of, lots of violence in this protest and yeah, sad. It's the legacy of the fucked up things Europe did to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, really, it's a bit of a somber note to leave it on, unfortunately, Nick. Do you have anything more to say? 
No, Rob, that's a bit of a convention of ours, leave everyone on sobering notes. But, you know, as as all news broadcasts and podcasts do, not much happy stuff going on in the world ever. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't even know that these are happening, to be honest. So, hopefully yeah. you learned something today, guys, at least. Well, you know, the Myanmar one went it got into Western media, was featured pretty prominent in there, just because it's a story people have been following for decades. But there's a lot of countries that have existed uh, similar problems ethnic violence all that kind of stuff that don't get as much news coverage and that have you know, different regimes and a different long drawn out history of instability so yeah oh well. uh we'll see you guys next week it feels a bit tacky to say follow us on our socials at this point yeah but, but you know, if it's anything this podcast is it's tacky it de- well yeah of course so don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and YouTube now. Yeah, watch our YouTube um, video from a podcast we did a few weeks ago. So on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, we're at Young Representative Swill Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at Swill Podcast. Awesome. So follow us on there, subscribe, like, whatever you do on each each of those sites. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> See for you listening. next week. <laughs>